Hey guys, I want you to listen into this for a quick moment. I know that you're busy, just like me. I mean, that's why you're listening to a podcast, probably on your way to work. I know how it goes. So when do you have time to actually go out and shop for clothes? Boom. In comes Bombfell. They are an easier way for men to get clothes. I had no ideas that companies like this existed, but all you do is you go to bombfell.com forward slash fantasy pros. You sign up for free. Okay. Then they're going to ask you about your body, the shape of it, measurements, current style that you wear. You can set budgets that are comfortable with you. And from there, you can pick the clothes that you like, or you could do what I did. Let a stylist choose for you. That's right. You get your own stylist. I've been rocking Adidas jumpsuits forever. So I decided to let Jasmine from Bombfell help me out. Surprised my wife with a whole new outfit. She sent me a preview email, what it was to make sure I was okay with her choice. And just a day or two later, the clothes were at my door. The customer service you will receive is hands down the best part. You'll really like the way that they serve you. It just doesn't feel like that you're hassling them when you ask them for something. Because I told her something didn't really fit my style. She switched it out, had no issue doing it. When you receive your clothes, you have seven days to tell them what you want to keep. You send the rest back absolutely free. They legitimately give you a return label. You don't even have to do anything. You don't have to go back to a store, nothing like that. You can choose new clothes, pause your order, cancel your order, anything you want. I cannot say enough good things about the VIP treatment that I received from them. So do me a favor. Go to bombfell.com forward slash fantasy pros while you're at work today. Check them out. Let me know what you think. By putting in our link, which is again, bombfell.com forward slash fantasy pros, you will automatically receive $25 off your first order. Again, that is B-O-M-B, like bomb, fell, F-E-L-L.com, bombfell, open and close. You see what I did there? Okay, guys, let's talk some football. What's going on, guys? Welcome into the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I am your host, Mike Taglier, once again, riding solo as the host while Bobby hangs out with his newborn baby. But have no fear. We did what we always do, and we bring in one of the best analysts in the business, our own Dan Harris. Dan, thank you for joining us on short notice today. I know you've had a hectic day, probably a hectic week, but we're here to talk some football, so I'm sure you're pretty excited about that. Absolutely. Frankly, no matter how long a day is or no matter how bad a week is, you can always fitting some time to talk a little fantasy sports. So let's do it. Yes, for sure. And Dan, I think you're the perfect person because you, you obviously work at Fantasy Pros with us. You know Bobby and I. I forgot to mention on our last podcast, I need to call out Bobby right now. If you listen to last week's DFS show, you know that Bobby and I made a bet about who would win our play draft contest that we did. Not to brag, but I won. First place. While Bobby was far behind, I think Bobby finished in like seventh place. What that means, Dan... That means Bobby has to prance around his house in two days in a Bears jersey and a pair of booty shorts in front of his two young sons and his newborn daughter. How great is this? Uh, it's fantastic, but he, he doesn't have to like videotape that and make it public, does he? Because that's really not fair to the listeners or anyone else outside of his family who has to actually witness that. I would tend to agree with that, but Bobby, if you're listening, and I know you are, I will be checking in with your wife to ensure that this happens. Regardless of what you might think, I do not actually want pictures. So I, just to be clear. Yeah, right? and, and, and I think I can speak for the entire fantasy community and every single listener is that nobody wants pictures of that, but we need to make sure that it happens. So definitely someone reach out to his wife. Absolutely. Otherwise, we're going to make him do something else embarrassing, like, you know, do the combine when Amari Cooper beats uh, Sammy Watkins this year. Let's hope so. He better. Anyways, today's show, guys, is on our start sit episode, talking about players who are on the cusp of starting for most fantasy teams. These are the players who were littering mine and Dan's timeline throughout the week. So believe me when I say we want to talk about the most controversial players possible in order to limit these questions, because, guys, there are so much stuff that we're working on throughout the week, and I apologize for not getting to you know, too many of the questions on Twitter, but working on the primer as I do, it's going to be coming out Thursday, midday, as it always does. That that article literally takes the life out of me. I don't know if you've seen it, Dan, but it's like 21,000 words this week. I have seen it, and I I just, I can't imagine the amount of work that goes into it, because I, I mean, I, I do a lot of stuff all week and do everything, and you know, I barely have time to breathe. The fact that you have time to write that article really kind of boggles my mind. So if you have not checked it out, and I'm not just saying that because I work with Mike, it is incredible. You really should. It answers basically every question you could possibly have. Well, I appreciate that. And, it, and I don't have the time to do it. I just somehow do it in my sleep. And I had it, my, my dream last night that I had was that I was falling asleep at my computer and I died. Uh, uh, my wife thought my, my wife thought it was crazy. <laughs> I don't know if it if it means something yeah, or whatever. It, that might be a sign, Mike. That might be a sign, Tex, that you need to kind of, <laughs> you know, take it down a notch a little bit there. Come on. 
Oh, man. Well, we need to talk about the news of the day. Obviously, the, the, the only real big news, there was two pieces of news that came out. One, that Matt Forte is likely out for a couple weeks with a, what is being described as a toe injury. It sounds like turf toe. They did sign Travaris Cadet. So maybe Bilal Powell gets significant work this week. The other news that came up is that Randall Cobb is being taken off the injury report, and he appears to be on track to play against the Bears on Thursday night football. We're going to talk about those players once we get into running backs and wide receivers. But, Dan, let's start at the quarterback position Let's start right with Ben Roethlisberger. You know, a lot of people are going to be sitting there with him on their team. We kn- we knew coming into the season that Ben struggles on the road. What do you make of this game at Baltimore? The the reason I, w- I think it's so interesting, and I think it's an, uh, an uncharted area in fantasy football, is that the Ravens are coming back from London. Okay, this is a this is a game where the Ravens are actually the seventh oldest team in the football in the National Football League. So they're an older team, right? They're coming. No team has ever played the week after coming back from London, they always get a bye week, but for whatever reason, both the Jaguars and the Ravens chose to play this week. Now, if you're, if you're the Jaguars, if they're like Jaguars, you could either get a bye week or you could play the Jets. Of course, they're going to play the Jets. So I, but I don't blame them, but for the Ravens to come back home and play against the Steelers, th- I think that's like, that's like an interesting little tidbit. What do you make of Ben Roethlisberger in Baltimore this week? So I, I, I think the bottom line is the way I feel about Roethlisberger kind of goes against how I generally feel with my rankings. I, I like to feel like I'm I'm kind of an underreactor a little bit. I don't really I take into account the matchups, of course, that they move, but I really don't move that significantly from where I have guys for the season. Obviously, impact somewhat, but this one, I don't know. I mean, I get the London travel, although we we have no precedent, like you said. We don't know exactly how this is going to affect the Ravens. I've I've done you know. Uh, overseas trips and I come back and it takes me a few days. But frankly, they were so horrifically embarrassed and they didn't really show up, frankly, in London anyway. I'm not even sure they were there. So I, I <laughs> do, true. I am sort of operating under the assumption that it's going to be more of the classic Ravens defense that we've seen so far this year. And honestly, I moved Ben pretty far down. I have like him like a low end QB2 at this point. Now that's pretty extreme, at least as far as I could tell. I mean, look, Road Road Roethlisberger is a thing, okay? I can't really explain it. I don't know what it is, but it is a thing. It's this thing in baseball, especially. We always talk about guys who are injury-prone versus accident-prone, and you're like, well, you know, these injuries aren't indicative of future injuries that are going to happen. The guy's just accident-prone. But at some point, if you keep getting injured, you are injury-prone. With Ben, I don't know why this is happening every time on the road, but it is, and uh, you have to buy into it. And frankly, his last three games against the Ravens, at least, in Baltimore have all been terrible. You know what I mean? He's got, you know, two touchdowns overall, I think four or five interceptions. So for me, frankly, I, I'm, I'm not really worried about the London thing right now. I am significantly moved. I got a ton of questions on Twitter today about Ben Roethlisberger. He was never my start choice. So for me, I'm basically starting any other reasonable option over him. I'm with you. I'm with you. And it's not just like a one-year sample where we're talking about Roethlisberger on the road, guys. Over the last three years, Ben Roethlisberger on the road is equivalent to what Brock Osweiler was last year. And I'm not exaggerating by any means. Like, you could do the research. Uh, he's just very... He's not good on the road. And so a, a couple of guys I'd play over him this week, Andy Dalton at Cleveland, uh, Tyrod Taylor at Atlanta. Andy Dalton's inside my top 12 quarterbacks. I'm not... I don't think I'm overreacting to this because, you know, the, the Cleveland Browns are a team that I want to say they have two sacks through three games. They're not getting pressure on the quarterback without Miles Jarrett. They were missing Jamie Collins last week. Their secondary is atrocious. They have nobody to cover A.J. Green. And Andy Dalton, the biggest concern about him this year is that his offensive line is putrid and they can't pass block. That This is one week where you shouldn't have to worry about that. The Cleveland Browns, I want to say it's 23 of the last 28 games. They've allowed multiple passing touchdowns. So this goes all the way back into 2000 in uh, 2015. So uh, the, the Browns have been bad for a long time. So Andy Dalton's in the starting conversation. Tyrod Taylor's there. Another name I wanted to talk to you about, Dan, Jameis Winston versus the New York Jets. Would you start him over someone like Ben Roethlisberger or or do you put both Dalton and Tyrod Taylor over both of them? Uh, first, it, it, he's against the Giants. You said the Jets. I know you knew, you meant uh, the Giants. If he was against Giants. the Jets, he might be the top quarterback of the week. Um of yeah, of course. The Giants are, are not a great matchup. I certainly have him over Roethlisberger. Like I said, I, I legitimately, every single guy you mentioned, I mean, we're, we're talking as of right now, my preliminary rankings, I haven't finalized it. I have Case Keenum over Ben Roethlisberger right now. I'm, I'm just not starting wow. that guy no matter what. I don't know if I'll end up there, but that's where I am right now. For Winston, yeah, I mean, I, I am starting him. I mean, I think that he's certainly an option that you could stream someone over like like Dalton for sure, like Taylor. Um, 
you know, he's he's played okay. He had a rough game, uh, you know, last week, but he was obviously playing from behind the whole time. But his accuracy has improved. Um, he's using all of his weapons, you know, with Evans and Deshaun Jackson. But he's also going to Brayton, even Adam Humphreys. I'm not I'm not overly confident uh, in this game, but you know, I don't really. I mean, I think Jacquez Rogers will be fine, but obviously their run game isn't quite as strong as it usually would be once Doug Martin gets back. So I'm not really expecting them to be able to have uh, a huge running effort. I don't see really a negative game script or anything like that. But at the same time, you know, despite the strong secondary, I have faith enough in Jameis. I don't think this is, like I said, I'm an underreactor. I have Jameis usually around a borderline startable quarterback, and that's basically how I have him here. So, you know, probably a a high-end QB2, maybe a low-end QB1. But my guess is I'm a little higher on him than you, Mike. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. You're you're higher on than me. I don't want to. I don't like to start quarterbacks against the Giants, and I know that this is a Tampa Bay game at home. But if you go and look at it, 14 of the last 19 quarterbacks who have played against the Giants have totaled fewer than 16 fantasy points. Just one quarterback has totaled 18 points. So, and and that's going back all the way to the start of last year. So the Giants are no joke. This is a team that's like in win or die mode. They might they might be already dead. You know, they're 0 three. The season might be over for them. But at the same time, there's something to be said again for a team that is fighting for the legitimate their last chance at potentially saving their season and it's weird to say because this defense was just so good and the offense was just man they were brutal through the first two games they didn't really come on till the second half of last week so uh, I'm not feeling comfortable there one one quarterback that before we move on to the running back position what do you do with Cam Newton um you know drop him I mean you know he he basically is certainly somebody who uh I mean, at this point, I, I legitimately think is droppable for a season-long league. I mean, I'm, I'm really sort of struggling whether or not he's 24th in passing yards. If you're, I, I, my rule of thumb is if you if you look horrible against the Saints, you pretty much are basically a borderline startable. <laughs> I might start him over. Yeah, the Saints were no, and the Saints weren't even in full strength. They were missing, I think, three of their DBs, three of their top DBs in that right, game. Right, and what did he throw? Three interceptions, I believe. So, I mean, look, he's never been an he's accurate so guy, right? He's never been this guy that's right. going to light the world on fire with his passing ability. What he is is a big guy. He gets a lot of value from his, you know, ability to score touchdowns and his his rushing ability. And to the extent that comes back, great. You know what I mean? He'll be fine. But the bottom line is, I, I'm really not convinced it is going to come back. They obviously want to protect him a little bit. Um, his weapons are dropping like flies. You know what I mean? There's no Greg Olson. I think Kelvin Benjamin was at practice, but just stretching today. So, I mean, my guess is he's doubtful to play. So the Pats are going to probably sit there and say, what's the best weapon? I guess it's Christian McCaffrey. Um, you know, the cornerbacks can take Funches, who's basically the equivalent of a tight end at this point. So I, for me, look, I mean, he's, he's like a low end QB too. He's like in the Roethlisberger discussion. Yeah, no, it's 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 one if you like want to take a shot in DFS tournaments this week, he's going to be extremely low owned, which I'm okay with. But in season long leagues, you don't need to take that chance because the, the reason I'll say I'll say this: the people out there, I've seen so many people this weekend defending Cam Newton and saying that it must be a shoulder, there must be something bothering him. This is who Cam Newton has always been, guys. Like seriously, you've all turned a blind eye because he's been able to run the ball and put up fantasy points. You you didn't decide to look at his actual numbers. He's completed sixty one point four percent of passes this year. That is the second highest mark in his career. He's completed 6.8 6. yards per attempt. That is right in line with his season averages that he's had before. His touchdown percentage is a little bit low, but that's in, he's he's also played against some really, really bad defenses. His schedule to start the season was immaculate. The 49ers, the Bills, and then uh, last week, the Saints. Uh, a Saints team that was like 75% of their defense that was already bad to begin with. Cam Newton is not a very good quarterback. And, you know, again, I think he's a fair guy to play in DFS this week because the Patriots are going to put points on the board and they may just say, you know what, Cam, we're going to live with it. We're going to take the chance of you running the football. Get out there and do your thing, man. Because if he runs the ball, he could, he could he could rush for two touchdowns. And that's why he has appeal in DFS to me. But outside of that, Cam Newton, I'm with you. I think that he's you can consider dropping him. But um, let's go to running backs. I want to make sure we hit on quite a few running backs this week. And let's start with Bilal Powell. That's that's the one that I really I'm moving up and I have him at number 24 now in my rankings. I'm feeling pretty confident about it because Matt Forte is missing this game. Elijah McGuire, who he fumbled last week, so he found his way to the bench. Travaris Cadet was just signed this week. So they really don't have another running back. And if you go back to last year over the final four weeks of the season when Matt Forte was out for one of those games, and then he was limited in the other three. Bilal Powell was the number two running back behind just Le'Veon Bell. So can we can we confidently start Bilal Powell this week? Yeah, you can. Uh, I mean, I'm a Jets fan, obviously. Not that that really 
goes into it. But I agree. I was I was pretty high on Powell in the preseason, um, and obviously Forte's usage really cut into it. But for me this week, yeah, I think he's I think he's probably a low end RB two. You know what I mean? I'm not I'm not going out there and and getting that excited about a you know a Jets team that's going against Jacksonville. Um, who obviously look like world beaters in a couple of their games so far this year. But for sure, he's going to get the large majority of the volume. And he's talented. I mean, I, you know, I think we've all... Forte has looked a little better than him, frankly, for most of the season. But he did show it last year. I do think as the primary ball carrier, he's going to be involved. He's obviously good at catching passes out of the backfield. So I definitely see him as somebody... I, I don't think his his ceiling is particularly high in this one, unless Jacksonville is literally still on London time. But I, I do think that he's got a pretty decent floor with how many, uh, how much playing time he's going to get his snap count. So I, I would view him as kind of a low-end RB2 this week. Yep, that's exactly where I'm at with him. If, the, if there's one part of the Jaguars defense that's had some bend to it, it's been the run defense. They've allowed uh, 4.8 yards per carry, uh, and they've played some mediocre run games. I mean, the Titans were obviously solid, but outside of that, it wasn't like they have. It's not like they played like top def, like top run games every single week. So I actually I like Paul this week, and I'm starting to come around on him. He's gonna he's gonna fill up those sit start questions. I know it already, just because he's he's hurt a lot of people. A lot of people have been asking me if they drop him, and I've really had no issue with that with the way that they were going. But as of right now, it's hard to see McGuire getting like big snaps without after fumbling last week. So one player that I think people are going to be talking about him or do I go with someone like Chris Thompson at Kansas City? Obviously, Chris Thompson is a top five running back in football right now, and it's it's tough to bench him in any situation. But would you play someone like Volal Powell over Chris Thompson right now, who is honestly, it seems like he might be capped at that nine touches per game. And th- I, I've compared this to a Tevin Coleman type situation. He plays in a less high scoring offense. But seeing nine touches a game, it's hard for any running back to remain fantasy relevant every single week. He needs to score a touchdown essentially every single week. And that's going to be tough to do against the Kansas City defense in Kansas City. So what's your take on Thompson? And if you had Bilal, Powell, and Thompson, who would you be playing? Yeah, I'm pretty much exactly with you. I would play Powell this week. Um, Look, I I get it. And Thompson has been... (laughs) really incredible, but I'm just not somebody who's going to bank on 60-yard touchdowns every week. I just, you know, obviously that's not, unless you're Kareem Hunt, in which case you basically write it down every week. But uh, really, it's not something where I'm going into this wanting to take a guy who's just, like you said, not seeing that many touches. Now, he did have 14 touches last week, right? So if he's going to get that amount of involvement, then I, I might change, but I don't really see that going forward. I mean, he's a little guy. They really don't want him uh, to take too much abuse. So I agree. And in Arrowhead on it's Monday night, I believe too, right? I mean, that place yep. is, that yep. place is incredibly difficult for opponents to play in on a good day. If you're talking about a nationally televised game on Monday night with the way they're playing, I think that defense is going to be pretty ferocious. And frankly, at some point, the book is out on Thompson, right? I mean, if he's in the game, you know what I mean? There is going to be basically a focus on him whenever he's in there to stop him. So for me, I, look, I like Thompson. I, I probably maybe have him as you know, it, probably a high-end RB3, maybe a low, you know, right on the border of RB2, mm-hmm. RB3. But for me, yeah, yeah, I'm starting Powell. I know it sounds weird, right? It sounds weird to start a guy who's basically been fantasy irrelevant completely for this year over a guy who's yeah. been one of the top running backs in the league. But that's what we do, you know? <laughs> right. We we sort of analyze the, the game matchup. So for me, yeah, definitely, I'm, I'm, I'm not really hesitating starting Powell over Thompson in a standard league. I'm with you. I think Thompson still should be probably started in a majority of PPR leagues, but at the same time, Kansas City, you mentioned at Arrowhead Stadium, uh, last year they allowed just 16 points per game there. It was the fifth best in the NFL at home. So, Chris Thompson, dial back expectations for a week, guys. I know that everybody wants to play them after the way he's been putting up numbers, but uh, one player that, that put up numbers last week, and it's, it's become kind of a conversation, and I'm torn because I've had my heart broken by him before, and this is a conversation between Isaiah Crowell and Duke Johnson. I don't, I'm not an Isaiah Crowell fan. I think he's the a type of running back who gets what is blocked. And I understood why people were drafting where they were this offseason. You know, Hugh Jackson has fallen in love with Crowell. They wanted to extend him. They gave him a high tender. Uh, but and they, they built the offensive line. It's not blocking to the to the point where I think that they felt it would. I, I, the continuity just hasn't quite been there yet. But at the same time, Crowell has done nothing to 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 further his role in this offense. And Duke Johnson, on the other hand, my, the guy that has broken my heart before, he looks fantastic. You know, I, it's funny. I was watching some clips of him just actually uh, yesterday. I, I showed my wife just so she could see. I'm like, look at this kid. Like, why is he not running the ball more often? And like, it's just I, I asked these questions in a, in a game against Cincinnati. And I don't think that game script is going to be in Isaiah Crowell's favor. So if you're looking at it, let's pretend you're in a PPR league. Would you start Duke Johnson over Isaiah Crowell this week with Vontae's perfect coming back for Cincinnati? 
and let me just very quickly look at my rankings because I'm pretty sure as of right now, yes, I do have Duke Johnson ahead of Isaiah Crowell in PPR leagues. I think I still, probably because I'm stubborn and a dope, I still have Crowell slightly ahead of Duke Johnson for this week in standard leagues. And look, I have been incredibly disappointed by Crowell as well. I was not a fan coming into the season, and I sort of kind of reluctantly bought into it. Mike, I don't know if you have right. this. We, we, have, we, we all have the same data to analyze, right, and determine right. who we like and who we don't. And uh, But we all rank differently because we have either feelings or instincts or something like that about the way something's going to go. I did not like Crowell. I felt like I kind of came around to him reluctantly at the very end, and I have several shares of him, and it's just it's just been bad. And I, I agree. I kind of thought he would be the product of the offensive line, and the offensive line just is not as good as kind of I expected it to be. Now, he's had a few tough matchups, obviously, with the Steelers and the Ravens, but he didn't do much against the Colts. And like you said, game script almost never favors him. And again, last year, he caught 40 passes. Yes. So that was something where I was sort of like, okay, well, even if the game script does not favor him, at least he's going to be in. But basically, the second they fall behind, they go to Duke Johnson. And to be fair, as you mentioned, Duke Johnson looks awesome. You know, he he is really sort of taken this role and gotten. And he's second, Duke Johnson is second, uh, I think, on the team in terms of uh, roots run. So I, I really think that he's going to be involved. And like you said, the Bengals are generally speaking this year tough against the run. You know, their defense has been okay, whatever, but they've, I think they're only allowing 3.5 yards per carry. And like you said, perfect is coming back. So I, I, look, I'm again, Johnson is a little bit more. Uh, getting some value out of the big plays like his touchdown run last last week came from 30 yards out or whatever it is so you can't rely on that but as a whole he's obviously going to be involved in the passing game it is going to be a negative game script almost certainly so certainly in PPR Johnson for me is an easy call over Crowell I still and even sitting here I can't exactly explain why I have (laughs) Crowell slightly ahead of Johnson right now in standard leagues it's fair. But you know what? The only thing I took away from what you just said, you're, you're a roots guy instead of a route. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry about that. Look, I, I mean, I think that's how we say it in New York where I'm from. All right. So cut me some slack. <laughs> this was a thing on Twitter a couple of days ago where it was like, do you say pass routes or you say pass roots? I was like, who the hell says roots? I say roots tags. And if you want me back on this podcast, <laughs> you are going to allow me to say it that way. Well, th- then you can call me Tugs. Um, all right. No, it's so- Tugs, man. Tugs. <laughs> Tapes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm Johnny. I'm Johnny Tapes. Um, all right. So I, I instead, this may not be a sit start question for some people, but I'm sure there's some people out there who are wondering this, that they may have. Let's say that they drafted DeMarco Murray, not based on what I told them, because I told them to stay away. But let's say they did. And I had a lot of people that have said they went out there and they got Derrick Henry. So now they have both the two. They don't know who to start every single week. What do you do if you own both DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry? What do you do with them right now? Not even talking about necessarily starting, because I think you have to start DeMarco Murray when he's on the field, just because he's going to get the first shot every single week. But do you sell one? And if so, which one? I mean, I think if you have the room, I I would probably just keep both and hope for a Murray injury. Not that you ever root for somebody to get injured or something like that. But, you know, I I agree with you. I was completely off Murray in this preseason. And frankly, last week just made me mad as an analyst, right? Like you cannot have a ham, do nothing in your first two games, have a hamstring injury, be a game time decision, and then destroy the Seattle defense. That is not fair to fantasy analysts. And I am waiting for my DeMarco Murray apology. Anyway, going forward, <laughs> uh, look, uh, you're right. In terms of start state, you're right. You have to start Murray right now, as you said. Long term, I, w- I prefer Henry for the rest of the season. I think at some point, whether it be injury or ineffectiveness, Henry is a better runner right now. Okay, he just is at this stage of his career. Um, so I think long term, he's going to get it. So in that, get, look, if you stack that running back, I would feel fine, especially after this week's performance, to sell Murray. Because I do feel pretty strongly that eventually this is going to be Henry's backfield. If at worst, this split that we've got going on right now is going to be reversed, where Henry's going to be the main guy. So personally, I, I'd probably hold both if I could and sort of hopefully lock up that spot. But if I am going to trade one, as long as I have the depth to survive right now, because Henry's not a great start on a week-to-week basis right now, I would look to trade Murray and hold Henry for the long term. I'm with you 100%. I would trade Murray and I would sell high after the week he just had. You know, he, he had a solid game, but one a lot of it came on one play. But at the same time, that, that that happens. That's part of football, right? We have to account for that stuff. But I'm with you in that DeMarco Murray, here's what's going to happen. Every single week, he's going to go out there and he's going to have DeMar- Derrick Henry on his toes. Whereas if DeMarco Murray struggles at all, they will not be afraid to put Derrick Henry in the game and they'll ride the hot hand and it's going to be a mess to deal with. Derrick Henry is a lot cheaper than DeMarco Murray, which is why I'd prefer him. But it's, it's really a mess right now and I wouldn't prefer to have 
have Murray, so I would try and sell high on him. Here's one backfield that suffered. You know, we talked about in our last show that Darren Sproles tore his ACL, broke his arm on the same play. Poor guy. Uh, but, you know, we do have to dissect what's happening in this backfield. Wendell Smallwood, LeGarrette Blunt. A lot of people are automatically assuming that it's LeGarrette Blunt after the touchdowns last week. I get it. But Wendell Smallwood, for those who don't know, played double the snaps of what LeGarrette Blunt did last week when Sproles went down. They're playing at the Chargers this week. What is your take on this backfield? Do you have a strong feeling on whether you'd want Smallwood, Blunt, or do you just want to avoid the situation altogether? I think in the immediate you know, future, I'm, I'm probably avoiding it. I, you know, I'm certainly not going out there and I don't want to start LeGarrette Blunt or Wendell Smallwood this week. But I mean, you cannot rely on LeGarrette Blunt. It's, it's clear Doug Peterson is not like, yeah, LeGarrette Blunt's my guy. You know what I mean? He got 14 carries, no carries, and then 12 carries. We have absolutely no idea what to make of it. And you're right. He played just 22 of the 76 snaps last week. So he really wasn't exactly getting it all done. I like Smallwood. I liked him this preseason. I really thought that he was going to have a bigger role coming out. He hasn't yet. I do think he's talented. I do think eventually he is going to make his way into like the borderline RB2 conversation once he gets kind of going. Uh, Blunt's going to be there. He's going to be the goal line there guy there. So it's there. But again, Peterson already is talking about, yeah, I like the three back rotation. So let's get, you know, Corey Clement in there, which is fine. And he scored a touchdown last week. But honestly, for this week, I'm certainly avoiding probably in the near future. I'm avoiding. I do personally expect that Smallwood is a guy that eventually is going to take really the lion's share of the load there. And I think he's going to be valuable. I don't really see him becoming this reliable. Yeah, Wendell Smallwood's carrying me to a championship, but I definitely think he's going to be a guy who's going to be this borderline RB2 every week, maybe a flex. So I think he'll be fine in the long term. Yeah, and he's more involved in the passing game, and that's why I prefer him. LeGarrette Blunt offers exactly zero in the passing game. I know he caught a touchdown this year and all that, but <laughs> yeah. I don't care. LeGarrette Blunt is so bad. I'm not a, I'm not a Blunt fan. I wasn't a fan coming in, so I stand by that. I don't want any piece of that backfield, though, to be honest with you. I think it's going to be a mess going forward. If I had to pick one, it would be Smallwood, but I just think it's going to be so inconsistent. Uh, that offensive line was a bit overrated by some, I think, coming into the year. I just I just don't see it from that Eagles offense. I, I just can't believe in it. One player I also have trouble believing leaving in told people not to start him last week but this week I'm, I'm teetering and that is Chris Johnson Chris Johnson Bruce Arians came out after the game and said that Chris Johnson's still going to get his shots against the 49ers which is obviously a, a matchup that we want to target but here's my question Andre Ellington okay this is a guy effectiveness was never his problem it was always remaining healthy whenever he got the big workload he could just never stay healthy he got nicked up all the time so why not give it to Andre Ellington and let, let's see what he can do? I think he comes with the highest ceiling in this offense with limited pass catchers because, you know, they got J.J. Nelson, who seems to be nicked up. John Brown, who mm. John Brown, I want to see you back in the field, man. But they just have limited options in the passing game while they're missing David Johnson. So why not lean more towards Andre Ellington? Would you trust Chris Johnson this week? I mean, I think trust is probably a little too strong of a word. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I'd start him this week. Look, Ellington, I agree. His, he's obviously kind of dynamic in the pass catching role uh, when he gets a little bit of space. Um, but, you know, they want to be careful with him, as you basically said. You know, I don't think they're going to give him a huge role. I don't expect this to be the type of negative game script game. You know what I mean? That they're going to need to basically be throwing the ball. I think they would like to lean on Chris Johnson if they possibly can. But yeah, eventually... They're going to need something. They keep, you can't. Well, you probably can throw to Larry Fitzgerald every single play as they did on Monday. But, you know, they lost the game. So they do need somebody else who's reliable. And it's clear that Jaron, you know, Deron Brown and J.J. Nelson are not really the exactly reliable thing. So, look, if I were the coach, I would probably get Ellington involved more. But for this week in particular, given the fact that it's the 49ers, I, I am a little worried, not too much of the fact that they are on 10 days rest and the Cardinals are on short rest. It, it's a little concerning to me. But in the end. Look, I, I'd probably have, you know, if I check my rings, I think he's somewhere in like 33rd Chris Johnson, which is probably as high as he's ever going to get at this point. But I would let him start maybe as a flex this week or an RB3 without, and kind of hold up my nose at it. But I, I, I'd let him go. That's a good call. All right. So before we get into wide receivers, I do want to let you guys know if you haven't checked out Pristine Auction yet, you guys heard it on the show before. What the heck are you waiting for? It is like the McDonald's for adults. This is P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E auction.com. They have daily auctions for whatever your team is. Doesn't matter if you if, if for whatever reason you're a Packers fan, you're playing my Bears this Thursday. I, I And as a matter of fact, I actually do need a Packers helmet to add to my collection. But 
I've lost countless auctions on an Aaron Rodgers one. I may need to settle for Brett Favre. Yes, they have the legends too. They don't just have you know the current players. They have former players as well. And so you know, it, it's really not as expensive as you think. Believe me, my wife wouldn't allow me to do it if it was for my birthday the other week. She told me to go ahead and bid on a helmet or two. It's free to register. Go ahead and look around. You only pay for an item if you win. Just do one favor. When you register, let them know that Fantasy Pros sent you. That way we can keep doing the giveaways that we are right now. We're giving away a Mike Evans signed jersey to enter that contest. All you have to do, guys, it's so simple. Go to iTunes, leave a review, screenshot it on your phone, on your computer, whatever you have to do. Send that into contest at fantasypros.com. This literally takes you two minutes. And if you do that for us, we are going to enter you into all future contests. And if you haven't heard, we've given away like Odell Beckham, David Johnson, Amari Cooper, Melvin Gordon jerseys, like jerseys galore. Like every other week, we have a new jersey to give away. So go ahead and do that. Get in on that. You're automatically entered going forward. Pristineauction.com will really bring the kid out in you. All right, so let's get back to some of this uh, sit-start talk, and I'm starting it right off a wide receiver with Terrell Pryor. I think that if we were to talk about players who have disappointed, players who have, you know, like, not shown up at all, Terrell Pryor is atop that list. You know, you talked about Isaiah Crowell is someone that you kind of bought into. Terrell Pryor, when I started the offseason, he was like the number 26 wide receiver when he got signed by the Redskins. I was like, not high on him, not low on him, just kind of just like, eh, I don't know, I, I, don't really, I don't feel it. And I kind of started buying into what people were selling on him and the fact that there were so many injuries in this offense that targets had to go somewhere, right? Terrell Pryor looks like a guy that's never played the wide receiver position. He's not tracking balls. He's not getting separation. His routes have nothing sharp to them right now. I just, I don't know what happened, but nothing is showing up from, from what he was looking at in training camp. These, you know, these highlight little reels that he had from practice going over DBs, catching it one handed. He can't even catch the ball with two hands this year. So Terrell Pryor against Kansas city. What are we doing with him here, Dan? I mean, he, he lines up at left wide receiver a lot of the time, which means he's going to see Terrence Mitchell in coverage a lot. Terrence Mitchell has been burned countless times this year already. So he's going to see him about 60 to 70% of the time. Whereas Marcus Peters, their top corner in Kansas city, he's not going to see him very often, maybe 20, 25% of the time. Do we give Terrell Pryor one more chance or do we say, you know what, Terrell, you have to prove it before you get back into my lineup and I'm not starting you. Well, uh, first of all, I I echo everything you said. Other than if I'm being completely honest, I was not reluctantly in on prior. I was one of the guys who said those targets got to go somewhere. He really impressed me last year. So I really am shocked by this. I was definitely in on him. Look, first of all, for this week, I I have him kind of as like a mid-range wide receiver three. So to that extent, I guess I'm advocating starting him. But this is a mess. And I, I tell you of everything that worries me about this. He does look terrible. He's dropping passes. He only has eight targets in two games, obviously. And that was without Jordan Reed. You know what I mean? So obviously that's terrible. The biggest thing that worries me is the Redskins offense looks really, really good. And when you look really, really good, when you're not at all targeting Terrell Pryor, why are you suddenly going to start giving Terrell Pryor all these targets, right? Like what is the point in doing that? I don't, I don't really see that as happening. So for me, uh, I, you know, the matchup, as you said, isn't terrible, although, again, Chiefs at home anywhere is is pretty bad. So for me, I have him like a mid-range wide receiver three. If he if he does nothing again, Tags, I, I really think he's just got to be moved out of every starting lineup. And this is really just a reluctant start at this point. Yeah, and I think that like so that let's let's clarify here. So I, I am I'm 100 percent in agreement with you. I, I think we have the same concerns here with Pryor. I think we also have concerns about the matchup here against Kansas City in Kansas City on Monday night. But if you're looking at him versus someone like you know uh, Devin Funchess or uh, a JJ Nelson, you know guys like that. I probably would go prior just because this is a guy that they're probably going to give every last opportunity before, before kind of moving on. It's weird because we've heard Jay Gruden talk about, you know, Josh Doxson. You know, he hasn't really done much for us since he came here. What the hell has Terrell Pryor done? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like, like Josh Doxson has had more production than Terrell Pryor on nine targets in his Redskins career. I, I stand by my statement that Josh Doxson is the best wide receiver on this team. And, you know, his, his snap count has been going up every single week. So Terrell Pryor may start losing significant snaps. And it's, it's just funny. They, they ended up signing him to only a one-year deal. People wondered about that. He's 28 years old. He'll be 29, I think, in June. So, you know, he's not a young guy and eventually those, those freak athletic traits are going to start leaving you. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like now or never for me with Terrell Pryor. It's, 
it, it's opposite of Amari Cooper, right? And I talk about this and I, you know, I'm just going to say it right now. And I know people know that I love Amari Cooper. I will jump on someone if they're playing like crap and Amari is, but, uh, but he is in a, in a way that's different than Terrell Pryor. And I, and I say that because people would love to have the problems that Amari Cooper does. He gets open at will. He, he can beat any DB one-on-one. He can do it all day long. The problem is his hands right now. He's dropped six of 21 targets. He's 23 years old. You know, he, he's had drop problems in the past. In his rookie season, he dropped the most passes in the NFL. Last year, he fixed it, and it, it appears to be a problem again this year. This is a mental thing. They need to get it under lockdown. But a lot of wide receivers can't get open at will the way that Amari Cooper does. So I'm not giving up on him. I'm actually buying him if you could do it for really cheap. This week at Denver is not the greatest matchup, but I just wanted to I wanted to throw that out there because don't give up on Amari Cooper yet, guys. And, you know, don't stat. Don't just look at stats. Like if you actually watch this kid on tape, one of the best wide receivers in the game. I'm not just saying that there's a reason that I like him. Some people are like, oh, you're saying that because Amari Cooper's your boy. Why do you think he is my boy? Because I watch so much dang football and I take in so much that it's when when I come across someone like this and I'm so impressed by him. It's frustrating. Of course, Uh, give him time. But one player that we, we may want to give some time on our bench is Willie Sneed. He's returning from his three-game suspension this week, and this game is in London. Sean Payton said, we're going to kind of see how he comes along. He's refusing to commit to anything. He's not saying that Willie Sneed's going to be out there for a full complement of snaps. He's not saying that he's going to be out there at all. How do we treat Willie Sneed this week? Uh, you know, personally, I'm I'm not starting him in any league. Uh, you know, I, I liked Sneed a lot. I was really bummed. Uh, when he got suspended, um, because I really thought this was going to be a big year for him. And and it could still be, obviously, going forward. He's only missed three games. But, uh, you know, with Peyton's comments, you know, I don't know, man. I don't like the unknown, okay? I don't, I don't like not knowing what's going on with the coach's head. My guess is he's going to play. My guess is he's probably going to have a decent game. But my guess is also that I've probably got three wide receivers on my roster that I'm willing to start over him at this point. Um, going forward, I think it'll be a pretty solid wide receiver three. But for right now, you know, to, I don't think they're really going to need that much to beat Miami. I could be wrong, obviously. Uh, maybe I'm biased by the way they looked against the Jets last week. But I, I really don't think they're going to need to uh, throw the ball like crazy and stuff like that. And frankly, Brandon Coleman has been fine. Kobe Fleener has been fine. For this first game, I would take a wait-and-see approach. I'm not really worried long-term, personally. I I do think he's going to be wide receiver three. I'd buy him at that value. But for this week, he's staying on my bench. Yeah, I'm with you. I'll definitely take the wait-and-see. You guys have been without him for three weeks. You could go one more. Trust me, you'll be okay. And it'll be a good thing if he goes off because then you'll be like, okay, I can put him back in my lineup. One player. So let's compare these two, Terrell Pryor or Pierre Garçon, who is going against Patrick Peterson this week, who has legitimately shut down wide receivers. Uh, this year. First of all, I, I will put it out there that Pierre Garçon was basically, you know, you have a couple of your guys, Mike. We both loved Amari Cooper, obviously. Amari yeah. Cooper, everyone in the world who's ever yeah. listened to this podcast know that Amari Cooper is your guy. <laughs> um, I loved him, too. But yeah. Pierre Garçon was definitely one of my guys. Um Coming in, I, I really loved him. I bought into the Kyle Shanahan offense, everything like that. And obviously, he had a huge game for this week. I mean, he's legitimately back to back with Terrell Pryor in my rankings. Um, and I, I have him one spot ahead. So, uh, it faced between the two, uh, I would start him. I mean, he he's seen twenty five targets in three games. You know what I mean? That 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 number alone, I I get that the matchup is bad against Patrick Peterson. But I mean, frankly, you know, the Arizona pass defense hasn't been you know, that great. This year, you know, they're in the middle of the pack so far. Opposing teams are, are throwing against them. They're 32 pass attempts per game. So for me, I wouldn't be expecting a huge performance from Garcon in the matchup. But, you know, with the amount of targets he's seeing, I, I definitely feel at least slightly that he's slightly more reliable at this point than Terrell Pryor. Well, Arizona, I do want to state this. Arizona, going back to last year, they started struggling towards the end of last year. And I think it has to do with Tyron Matthew not being the player that he Uh, once was. He looks awful, by the way. Like, no joke. He really does not look anything close to what he was in the past. Yeah, no, it, it's weird. And like, if you even if you go, there was a breaking point. So Air, the Arizona Cardinals over their first, uh, it was over the first, I think, 11. Here, here's a stat I have. They allowed 15 passing touchdowns in their last six games of 2016. And then now they've allowed six passing touchdowns through the first three games. So now we're looking at a nine game, sa- nine game sample where they've allowed 21 touchdowns. That's that's not very good for an Arizona team that used to be legitimately one you would avoid in fantasy. But at the same time, I just feel like the 49ers don't have any other options outside of Pierre Garçon. So if they just want Patrick Peterson to follow him around, that their pass game, 
has zero, like nothing. I mean, Marquise Goodwin, are you going to throw to him? I mean, he'll match up with Justin Bethel. So if you want to take a shot there, I mean, I guess, but it's not something that you want to trust. So I I have my concerns about him this week. One player I would start, I, I am convinced that this is one week where you should start him is Tyrell Williams against the Eagles. We saw Jalen Mills get used and abused by Odell Beckham last week. Jalen Mills is just not a good cornerback, guys. And like, for whatever reason, the Eagles felt like he should shadow Odell Beckham last week. I don't I don't get it. Um, Keenan, Keenan Allen had a great ma- matchup last week, got nine targets, posted mediocre results. But Tyrell Williams, I think that the, Travis Benjamin has kind of been getting going. I think Travis Benjamin only has five fewer fantasy points than Keenan Allen right now. But Tyrell Williams is the one who's been getting targets. Just nothing has popped off the page. The Eagles stopped the run extremely well. Uh, but Tyrell Williams is someone I do like. Is there someone that you like in this wide receiver three range that you're willing to take a shot on that maybe sometimes you you wouldn't necessarily? Um, yeah, I think so. Let me just make sure so I don't overspeak. So if people check my rankings, they're not like, what are you talking about? You don't have him as a wide receiver <laughs> three. Let me just double check. Okay, so I'm going to, yeah. So this one, it, it, it's probably a little bit, you know, aggressive and Right now, he falls just outside my wide receiver three range, but I- I'm pretty high this week on Sterling Shepard. Um, you know, look, I the Giants offensive line, you know, gives me nightmares, frankly, just to think about it. Um, but obviously, we saw what happens when Odell Beckham plays, right? It, it just is going to open up the passing game. And really, the reason why I'm kind of, uh, you know, in on Shepard a little bit this week is the Bucks are just, I, I mean, I don't know who's left to play defense for them right now. I mean, they're they're going to be down Levante David, probably Brent Grimes, Quan Alexander. I don't know if Noah Spence is going to play. You know, it's just Drill who is McCoy. going. Right, exactly. Who who exactly is going to be on defense this game? Um, and, you know, Shepard has, has seen a lot of targets. I know sort of Marshall got, I think he had more receptions and more targets um, than Shepard. But, I mean, if you've watched Brandon Marshall this year, it's he's done. He's right. done. And I also was a guy who thought that Marshall would be fine. So just want to full disclosure, like I, I really did not expect him to be done. He's done. So I, I really do think that, uh, you know, given how banged up the Tampa Bay defense is, I kind of feeling like a Shepard game. I'm not, you know, the, the touchdown last week was, you know, crazy. You're not going to buy into that, obviously. But I do think he's getting a lot of targets. I do think he's going to be involved. And the fact that the Bucks defense is so beat up, I kind of am expecting him to finish basically in the wide receiver three range. You know what? If Brent Grimes actually plays this game, I upgrade Shepard because Robert McLean would go back into the slot and that would be great news for Shepard. So on, on 11 targets this year in coverage, McLean has allowed eight catches for 87 yards and a touchdown. So I, I do think this is a good matchup for Shepard. Uh, the run game obviously is doing nothing for the Giants. They're, at some point, it's got to, right? Like at some point, they're going to rush for 100 yards and you're going to be like, damn. I don't Paul know, Perkins. man. Well, I do want to say this, like legitimately, Mike, tell me what you think about Paul Perkins because I am looking at that guy and I, I mean, I get that there's nothing blocked for him, but it legitimately he looks like there is nothing there for him to do ever. Like, and I mean, you put Orleans Darkwin there and you're like, wow, that's a pretty bad running back, right? That's not really going anywhere, but he's like miles ahead of where Paul Perkins was. So I don't really know if the Giants are going to be able to get their running game going at all. Yep. And I'm transparent on this too. I was telling people that uh, Paul Perkins was a workhorse running back that you can get in like the seventh round. And I was all over it. I liked Paul Perkins and he's proved me wrong. He looks awful. Um, and yeah, the, sure. The Giants line looks bad, but he's not creating anything for himself. And if he's not going to create anything for himself, he's not going to do anything because this is not an offense. You could do that. I don't know if they have a running back on the roster who can. I, I'm surprised that they haven't even tried to give Wayne right. Gallman some shots because he's a guy who who can also catch some passes out of the backfield. I liked Gallman as a prospect. So it'd be interesting if they decided, you know what, let's just see what we have in the kid, because otherwise they need to invest in the position. If they if they don't have, feel like they have anything in Gallman in running backs, that's the one position where the age doesn't really matter. If he's a rookie, throw him into the fire. We've seen Kareem Hunt. We've seen Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette. Look at all these guys, you know, Dalvin Cook. They're all succeeding. Just put him in the game. See what you have. And if not, then you need to draft a running back next year or at least sign one in free agency. Something. It certainly can't get any worse, right? I mean, that's sort of what I'm saying. Like, legitimately, I watched Perkins, and I, I agree. I, I mean, I wasn't on him or anything in the preseason, but I certainly, I think, was more optimistic. He was a volume play. People. He was a volume right. play. Why not, right? I, I mean, he looks as – it's like he, he has this look where I'm like, I don't understand how you could be an NFL player right yep. now. And I've seen him before. He obviously, you know, has some skill, obviously. But right now, I agree. I would just be like, look, what's the worst case if you put in Gallman? Like, I mean, how much how, – how could he be worse than what you're dealing with right now? So uh, we're in agreement on that one. Agree. All right. Let's move on to tight ends. We're running out of time here. Uh, is there a tight end on your board that you're kind of looking at? Because me, it's Martellus Bennett. Okay. I know that him and, and Aaron Rodgers have not clicked yet. I get that. 
But guys, if you look at the landscape of tight ends right now, it's it's a disaster. Um, there is really not there. There's not many. There's not too many tight ends outside of maybe Rob Gronkowski and Zach Ertz. I mean, is there another tight end who's pr- producing consistently? No, not even Kelsey, right? He had right. one yard last week yeah, or something Kel- like yeah, that. No, Kel- I agree. May- yeah, Kelsey. Kelsey in the first week, five catches, forty yards. Last week, one catch for for one yard, I think it was, or six yards. I can't remember. Like, it, it's been so bad. So what what do we make here? Like, Martellus Bennett has just as high as upside as Gronk does in any given week, right? Like with Aaron Rodgers thrown into him? Well, I, I'm not sure if I'd say as much upside as Gronk. I don't think any you know tight end on the planet or maybe ever has had as much upside as Gronk. But I would say I don't get this with Martellus Bennett. He has 21 targets, man. I mean, how are you not producing with 21 targets from Aaron Rodgers? I don't get it. Um, I, it sounds like Cobb's going to play yep. tomorrow. Not that that really impacts other than it, it you know, it takes up some targets. But Look, yeah, I mean, of of everything, we're all just sort of, you know, we do it. I do a trade chart as we talked about, and basically it's like Gronk and then Kelsey and then a couple of guys at the top, and then everybody has the same value because it's all exactly the same. You know what I mean? It's basically play the matchups, and frankly. Yeah, a guy playing in an Aaron Rodgers-led offense who's getting that many targets, you think has to produce at some point. You know what I mean? I, I'm not sure it's going to be this week. The problem is, I don't know when it's going to be. But in the end, he's just one of a number of streaming tight ends that I, I, I'm I'm more optimistic that he's going to produce long term. Um, but right now, I just I don't know, Mike. It's it's pretty frustrating. No, I'm, I'm with you. The 21 targets, it ranks third among tight ends. That's a pace of 112 targets, guys. Like, right. so, so there have been just two tight ends over the last five years who have seen more than 100 targets and finished outside the top 12 producers of tight end. So, but this is how bad it is, though. This is like, this is why I am not giving up on him because I'm okay with trotting him out there, getting his four points or whatever it is he's getting a week. Because if you look at the top 10 tight ends right now, Austin Hooper, who had one 88 yard touchdown, is a top 10 tight end. So if you have scored 20 points through three weeks as a tight end, you're top 10. Like, that's right. stupid. That's basically catching. If you catch an eight yard touchdown every single in each week, you're a top 10 tight end. Yeah, it's a disastrous position. You know, one guy who I do want to mention who I kind of feel like I, I've, you know, I don't feel like that many people have been talking about him all year has been Jared Cook. And maybe people are talking about him and just not really realizing it and stuff like that. But he's pretty much been solid all season. Even last week when the Raiders offense looked like perhaps the most disastrous thing that has ever walked on the face of the earth, <laughs> he still got 43 yards and a touchdown, you know. And even this week against Denver, like I think I like him a little bit more in the industry because Denver is obviously great against the wide receiver. So Amari Cooper and, and Crabtree, if he plays, might be a little bit. But they're kind of mediocre against tight ends. You know what I mean? They, they, they've they been allowing 16 points per game in PPR. So for me, Cook is a guy who I'm kind of hoping can continue his trajectory to become more than just a streaming play and just basically be like a, you know, a low end kind of guy who you're like, all right, I'm just starting you and I'm not worried about him. I like Jared Cook this week, too. And yes, you're you're right on par with Denver. Denver has allowed a passer rating of 129 when targeting tight ends this year. I know it's a small sample size. We're only three games in, but Jared Cook is seeing targets. And as you mentioned, Michael Crabtree is a little dinged up. He's going to match up with Aqib Tlaib a lot. Uh, You know, Benny Fowler. By by the way, did you? So I I wanted to mention this. I totally skipped over it in the in the since we're in the Denver Oakland game there. Benny Fowler and Emmanuel Sanders have combined for eight red zone targets. Demarius Thomas has one. Like, what is going on here? Like, I, I mean, De- Demarius Thomas has turned into like like a 40 year old wide receiver that it's like you could lock him in for 60, 70 yards a game. He'll score a touchdown like once every five games. Like, what has happened to Demarius Thomas? I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know either. I mean, I, I do. I, I'm not I'm not really overly concerned. And I, I am particularly expecting a the breakout performance this week, um, personally, uh, against Oakland. But I agree. And as somebody who kind of I didn't target Emmanuel Sanders, he certainly wasn't a guy who I expected to have a big year. But I love owning him. I mean, he's getting like, you know, he's getting 12 targets a game and he is catching them. And Thomas is just kind of the odd man out. I expect that to change going forward. But I I agree right now. If you're a Thomas owner, you you have every right to be frustrated. Definitely. Now, uh, Charles Clay is someone that I do like versus Atlanta this week. It's a, it's a game that you kind of figure that Atlanta, it's going to, they're going to put up points in their dome. That's just what they do. Um, and Charles Clay so far this year, I mean, he has a team high 18 targets and it doesn't sound all that crazy because, you know, we, we've just talked about Martellus Bennett, who's got 21, but 
23% target share because they're not throwing the ball a lot. They're averaging, I think it's like 26 pass attempts per game. So to see him have 18 targets is kind of ridiculous. Uh, the Falcons on 32 targets to the tight end position so far this year, they've allowed uh, 16 catches for 156 yards, though no touchdowns. Clay is he's in that tight end one conversation. Uh, I also think Cameron Brait is someone that you guys can consider this week. The Giants, it's seemingly every week. It's just like clockwork. Um He's actually playing less snaps than rookie O.J. Howard, but at the same time, Cameron Braid is the one running most pass routes, so if I'm going to bet on one of them, it's probably him. And what do you think about Kobe Fleener uh, going into my, uh, not going into Miami? And by the way, thank you for all of you for calling me out on that uh, last podcast. I, I said something about Jay Cutler at home against the Saints, and everybody's like, Mike, this game is in London. I'm like, yeah, I, I wrote the game up after we had the waiver wire podcast, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to hear about this one. And of course, you guys let me know, so I appreciate you guys letting me know that, but what do you think about Kobe Fleener in London, you know, with with Willie Sneed back in the offense. Yeah, I mean, I think the Willie Sneed factor is the biggest one um, because uh, except for last game, Fleener had basically excelled in the games that Willie Sneed had missed. I think he missed one last year and he had obviously missed the first two this year. And I think Fleener had scored a touchdown in all of them um, last year. Last week, though, again, this is what it is. The idea that Kobe Fleener is suddenly going to be this amazing, reliable tight end. Nobody is outside of maybe the top couple. You know what I mean? It's just you're going to have weeks where they're going to do nothing. We talked about Willie Sneed earlier. I have no idea what to expect from him in this game. I have no idea how many snaps he's going to see. I don't know if he's going to see the whole game. Um, Miami just isn't great against tight end, as you kind of saw with the only productive game of uh, Hunter Henry's season this year. You know what I mean? It came against Miami. Um, so for me, you know, he sl- he slots in behind Cook and behind Clay this week. But, you know, I don't know. He's like a low-end tight end one. Honestly, when I look at my tight end rankings, I just kind of want to vomit because they're all kind of the same. And I'm like, I don't really trust you. I don't really trust you. I don't it's really like trust I said, you. a touchdown. They yeah. get to touchdown their tight end one. And it's like, that's frustrating because it's the hardest thing in the world is to predict touchdowns. That's why that's why we chase the targets. And that's typically you want one and when you're projecting a high scoring game. Maybe you have an elite quarterback like someone like Martellus Bennett. That's why Jack Doyle is going to have value when, when Andrew Luck comes back. You know, that's why we chase these offenses like that. Another, another guy I'll mention before we get out of here is Eric Ebron. You know, last year, nobody seems to know he played in 15 games. There was just one game where he scored fewer than eight PPR points. He's already done that twice this year. I think it's kind of like a a weird thing. I don't think it's been intentionally on, on the on the Lions part. So they're going into Minnesota. They're going to be playing. Uh, Marvin Jones is going to see a lot of Xavier Rhodes. Uh, Trey Waynes has been playing decent football. Terrence Newman. So they have the cornerbacks there. It's the, their their linebacking core is where they've really been lacking against the tight end position. So I think Eric Ebron can get back into that tight end one conversation. But uh, Dan, is there anything you wanted to say before we get out of here for about week four? Any any hot takes? Any bold predictions you have? Oh man, you know I'm I'm writing right after we get off of this. I'm writing the start sit column. Um, so I was just about to look at it. Um, I mean, I think if there's, if I'm going to give, if you're going to put me on the spot and I'm going to give a, a hot take, I don't know if this is really a hot take, frankly, because I haven't checked these here, but I'd say that Chris Carson is going to be uh, a top 10 running back this week. I assume that's a hot take because that sounds ridiculous as it comes out of my mouth, but I'm, I'm going to put it out there to say that this is the week at home. Uh, I think it's Sunday night football. Chris Carson's going to be an RB top 10 running back this week. It's a, it's a game that I think Seattle kind of gets – Doug Baldwin sounds like he's going to play. I think the whole Seattle offense kind of gets right this week and puts on a show. Yeah, I actually love that call. I, I And my primer, actually, I wrote up that game today, and I have Chris Carson. I said that he's an RB2 in your lineup for sure with RB1 potential written all over him. I think mine would be that Joe Mixon finishes the top five running back, that Joe mm. Mixon's his coming out party is this week. Uh, you want him in your lineups. I think everybody knows that. That's why we didn't talk about him on the show. Uh, but no, thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. We do appreciate all the support on the show. Uh, if you guys have any questions, try and hit us up on Twitter. Dan, what's your Twitter handle? It's Dan Harris eight zero. I knew it had an eight in it. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to uh, yeah. screw this up. Aren't I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, later in the week, I try and get to some Twitter questions, you know, up and up through Friday. It's really tough for me, but uh, I'm at Mike Taglier NFL or go at fantasy pros. Bother, bother Andrew. Andrew <laughs> needs to be bothered more. Uh, let him, let him know your questions, guys. We'll get to them. Thank you to the sponsors of today's show. Bombfell.com forward slash fantasy pros. Remember guys, check them out. That's like, it, it is such an amazing site that I had no idea about, but I checked them out and it, it was phenomenal. It was, I, I was really treated like top notch. So I really appreciate that. Pristineauction.com. Let them know Fantasy Pros sent you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we will see you tomorrow for the DFS show. We got an awesome guest for you guys. I don't want to spoil the surprise, but it's going to be a fun time. Until then, guys, lights out. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.